listener and welcome to the Locker Room Podcast by Daily Sports Science. We have the three amigos back together for the 40th episode uh, of the Locker Room Podcast. Hello, Ross. You're right, Kiz. How you doing? Very well. You're happy, Ross, after your your famous win for QPR under-15s versus um, Tottenham. It's not about winning, Kiz. It's about development. Remember <laughs> that. Yeah. Okay, sure. Uh, hey, Joe. Hi, like Kieran. How's the form? Well, Ross. Very- very good. Very good. Okay, we'll catch. Kiz, just quickly, Joe. We Joe nearly didn't make it today. <laughs> what happened? He, he he was worried. He had the jab, so he's showing his age. But he had the jab today or yesterday, Joe. You can tell us, but he was worried that you did you wouldn't make it. <laughs> yeah, still, still feeling a wee bit groggy now, Ross. To be honest, yeah. yeah. I think I got the Astra Seneca one, so you know, Brit, British made, so only the best for me. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> if, the, if, the, if the blood clot happens during the episode, we'll we'll get someone around. <laughs> Definitely, Joe. The important thing is is British made and not UK made. Okay, there's an important distinction there that Ross exactly. probably isn't even aware about. But yeah, that's good news, anyway. Okay, well, anyway, before we get into the trials and tribulations of Joe's COVID vaccine and previous um, period off work with it. Uh, we just want to uh, give you some information about today's sponsors. Ripped are back involved with, with us, which is brilliant, Cormac and the lads. So Ripped is a, a software platform built for performance coaches and organizations with easy to use programming tools and training load, well-being and nutrition monitoring via the Ripped app. All of your coaching tools are in one place. Streamlining your coaching, making it more accessible for your clients and athletes, and providing you with the insights you need to optimize performance. To find out more, head over to www.ripped.app and use the code LOCKERROOM to get your two-month free trial. So that's LOCKERROOM, all one word, all capitals, to get your two-month free trial. So thanks very much to, to Ripped once again. Joe, we'll come, we'll come on to to um, you first, just before we get into the information. I was listening on my um, Apple podcast and lo and behold, there I heard your sweet down voice on a rival podcast episode. What, what's going on? Yeah, Kieran, I was on a, I was on a load of balls with John Fagan <laughs> there. Uh, it's, it's a down podcast and uh, it's, it's great for down club and county football because they go through all the club games. Uh, so yeah, it's a rival podcast to us. So I'm giving it a shout out there, Kieran. I think you were on it. Actually, think you were on it yourself, were you? I might have been on it before we launched the Locker Room podcast. Okay, so, um, so that's where you made your name. Yeah, you'll be dragged in front of the CEO, and and uh, we we'll we'll have a have a word about. It. And was this as well? You said that I got sacked from London GA. I was disgusted when I heard that. Yeah, I knew I knew you were going to call me out on that one. <laughs> The truth um, hurts, Joe. <laughs> the truth hurts. <laughs> well, we were all well, we were all sacked. Well, that's true. That's true. That Ross at my wedding, which you didn't turn up for back in Ireland, uh, during the middle of the night, Joe started saying to me about how, um, you know, we could do we could do this. Why don't we bring in, you know, another psychologist? We can do this questionnaire. And what about if we try these tactics with the London senior football team? And I said, Joe. Joe, you, you do know that we've already been sacked from that job. <laughs> Joe, Joe started using a few expletives anyway and said, oh, yeah, I forgot. I forgot. We are. We're gone, aren't we? We're gone. So, Too um, many drinks in. Denial. Denial was the first stage. Yeah, exactly. Joe was denial. in denial. <laughs> anyway, Joe, tell us about your, um, your football ebook that you, you launched on dailysportscience.com. Yeah, Kieran. Um, it was uh, it was actually an idea I got from um, Barry Milan and and uh, you know yourself as well, uh, because Barry had released a hurling one and it was all game based. Um, so the one that I released was uh, it's called Gaelic Practices and Games. So uh, it's there are thirty three uh, practices and games. Uh, I think sixteen of each, uh, plus another one. And uh, the the thing is, you you practice uh, something. A, a drill and then you bring that drill into a game-based scenario so you're applying the knowledge of what you learned in the drill and you're bringing it into game-based where you have decision making uh, and all that type of stuff so yeah it's 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 over there on the on the website there here and it's good for um club managers coming back uh, very soon they're coming back 
just to get a few ideas. And, you know, they can always adapt those different drills and those games to, to suit their own needs. Yeah, and it's been brilliant. It's been very popular, hasn't it? It's like 12 euro um, over on the website. It's dailysportscience.com forward slash products. Um, and I think it's going on towards 200 people have already purchased this. And it's been really popular, isn't it? Yeah, it's very, very popular, Kieran. Uh, n- nearly 200 sales. Uh, and hopefully, you know, we get a, we get a few more. And it's all about spreading, spreading information. And, uh, you know, uh, as I said, hopefully, hopefully with club teams back from the, from the 10th of May, you know, we've got light at the end of the tunnel and we've got games again and we've got boys playing games and boys arguing with each other, with the fights going on. Back to a bit of normality, Kieran. <laughs> exactly. Joe, you, you, you do know I've got two letters from HMRC here this morning. <laughs> so um, I, I'm going to redirect them down to you. OK, so they, they, they'll, um, they, they'll probably come knocking on your door any one of these days. So, But don't worry, everything is um, UK incorporated now, Daily Sports Science. So we're all Absolutely. good. Don't, don't, don't worry. My wife is a tax lawyer, so... Um, we make sure everything is working it's okay. Tax, it's tax avoidance, not tax evasion. So, <laughs> tax planning, Joe. Tax planning. Well, well Ross, you, we're um, you've released the six counties training planner, um, and just about to release the twenty six counties. Actually, by the time this podcast goes out, it, it should be up on the website. Yeah, ne- never. Uh, the J never makes things easy for for us <laughs> it, in terms of the planners. So we had the, the lockdown one where we had the different codes last year, and now we've got the obviously the six counties ones that we uh, released two weeks ago, and twenty six county ones coming up now. And I think we'll talk about the content in the in this episode, but it's going to be even more important now as we've seen in our jobs and and Joe being back with his club and us being involved with QPR kids, how essential it is to really plan plan what you're doing over the next weeks and really avoid mass injuries and but also preparing players for the game because they've got such a short window to prepare to compete so it's going yeah. to be a really important important uh, time frame for coaches and, and yeah. sports staff yeah cool so that's up on the products page as well last thing to mention before we uh, jump into the, the content of the chat is we'll give some more information in the future ross but we just kind of tease out a little bit of information now on the online certificate in sports performance coaching that we're going to be releasing over the coming months. We won't put a definite timescale, but we're, we're all ready. The, the modules are done, the videoing, the presentations, uh, the learning management system is up and running. So it's just a case of kind of pulling it all together and, and releasing it now, isn't it? Yeah, like talking to you the other day, kids, and talking to Joe who's coming on board and helping us out as well. Like the amount, the resource that's in there, the eight different modules by six different people, experts in their field. We've got ourselves on there, Stevie Poacher, but then people that are in professional sports, um, you know, nutritionists that's involved with us, Murphy, John Murphy. So we've got a lot of good people there. And uh, I think that's going to gonna provide really good information for people. So really excited about that, actually. Yeah, no, it should be brilliant. It should be brilliant. Okay, so we've titled the talk. Um, we'll keep it relatively short and sweet because there's plenty of information out there, but we just wanted to kind of summarize the important factors to keep in mind when you're returning returning to play now for the GA season. Um, Joe, you just quickly had just to confirm the dates and, and everything like that with us. So the six counties are yeah. back, the clubs <clears throat> are returning. Do you want to just run through them just so everyone? Yeah. Yeah, well, as you said, Kieran, the six counties have been back uh, for a few weeks. Um, uh, county county teams have also been back for a few weeks, and juveniles have been back for a few weeks. But when this podcast goes out, uh, club teams will be back uh, yesterday, which is Monday, the uh, the tenth of May. Uh, so all, all adult sports can resume from Monday the tenth of May. Uh, I think for two weeks uh, it's non-contact from the tenth of May. And then you've got two more weeks, which are contact. And that brings you up to June the 7th. Uh, that's when teams can, uh, can start to play challenge matches. Uh, also, that's without spectators. Um, also, inter, inter-county challenge games have already started. I was just actually looking at, someone put it on um, Twitter last night, the RF account. Um, they were watching the Dublin Monaghan having a friendly match. <laughs> so they're, they're already, already having friendly matches. Yeah. Um, as you can imagine, Kieran, the two managers of those teams have yeah. been, yeah. you know, suspended for their shenanigans. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. If you remember. Um, so, so club and county will run concurrently, uh, you know, until August, and then the club championship for most counties will probably start as soon as their county is chucked out of the 
championship. Uh, obviously, the, the lesser counties will, will be able to start their county championships uh, much sooner, but you've obviously got the likes of Mayo, Dublin, Kerry, uh, yeah. Tyrone, who who probably be starting, you know, August or yeah. their club down. So it's a long, it's a long season for the yeah. for the club player, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, 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 I, I, I don't know. Will clubs like will clubs start into their championship very very beginning of August? It's difficult to know. Yeah, actually, I was going to say about people going away on holidays, but then there's not going to be holidays. So maybe we will see club championship, you know, right throughout August, which will be will be something new, won't it? Like generally, I I always kind of thought the club would really get up, up and running into September, really, Re- regardless of when you're knocked out, your county's knocked out at the All-Irelands. There's a little bit of a lull over the summer months usually, um, but it might be different this, this year then. Yeah, well, hopefully, Kieran, because you have that July. I know we have the July fortnight in, in the six counties, and it does take a nosedive in in the summer. But obviously, in the summer, those are the that's when the, the best weather is. So, yeah. for clubs to have to start their championships and their big games uh, in August, you know, September, yeah. which is a great month for for weather, yeah. that's brilliant for the club player. I think yeah. you know, but then it, it goes back to club players. Sorry, clubs managing. Uh, their players and, and injuries and so on because you know there will be a lot of league games for mm. players and the county players won't be uh, they won't be playing with their clubs no no so I, I don't think they'll be involved with their clubs at all will they no. like you know other years you're dipping in and out you're doing a little bit of training you've got your remember previously your two championship games are in April I don't see anything now I think if you're with the county you're with the county and then you'll return for, for club championship and and club league will continue on as normal throughout the throughout the summer months um, which you know in some ways actually gives gives everyone a little bit of um, knowledge in like okay this is uh, this is what is happening you know they, they can plan ahead and a bit of certainty is what I'm looking for you know that they know that right the county players are not involved and then as soon as the county is done, then they can come back and get reintegrated with the team. So in ways, I mean, I mean, this is probably the split season that they're going to be going ahead with anyway after COVID, Joe. Absolutely, Kieran, And I think it's, uh, think it's the right thing uh, to do, you know, and it also gives players who aren't county players for those big club teams. It gives them an opportunity as well. And it gives the managers an opportunity to experiment without the county players and see what yeah. system suits them. Yeah. And as you said, it allows club managers to plan without their county players. Not, nothing worse if you're a club manager and you're thinking, well, will my county players be available for this game? Will be available for that game? Do we have to, tr- to change our training sessions because the county players are coming back? Do yeah. we have to uh, change our tactics because we've got county players back? So, so it makes them <clears throat> assured as well. Yeah. yeah. I, I wonder, will you see the potentially you could have the club teams who don't have any county players and that there are many clubs like that who are, are good teams, like maybe they'll get a benefit because from the beginning of the season, right through as normal, the whole way from league to championship, they'll have the same set of players and they'll just work with that group of players. I know they have that anyway in other seasons, but it might just, you know, it might help them even more this year, maybe that they've just that core group of players to work with. And look, it'll be an interesting one. So we've got, so from Monday to 10th, Joe, you, uh, what you're saying is two weeks of non-contact training for club teams, adult club teams, then two weeks of contact, and then you can play friendly games. And then I presume it's it's up to each county when they schedule in the league campaigns then from that. But, but we expect probably mid-June or so, you know, yeah. mid-end of Absolutely. June. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, we would expect uh, that, that start to happen from from mid-June and you know if, if teams are allowed to play those challenge games from June the 7th then they should yeah. play those challenges from June the 7th to get ready for the league yeah uh, we would expect them to to um, start their games uh, you know mid-June yeah. yeah and you've got June and then you've got August you know June July probably for the league so yeah. you you have maybe what seven eight weeks for their league campaign yeah. and then they would look maybe to start their championship um yeah. Uh, campaigns around you know August yeah. or whenever their their teams put yeah. the jump. Yeah, it, it, 
it's quite a nice season in some ways. You know, it's like a condensed season. You don't, nobody was out training in, in January, getting ready for the club. And I mean, when you mentioned about September being a nice month, I always remember as a player myself with, with the club, with Horswood, and especially when we went on, the years that we went on to county finals and, and provincials and all, it, it was something lovely about just playing in September and into October. And, you know, you've gone through the summer, you're starting to come into the slightly colder nights in October, but you're still involved, you're still playing. And the big games are coming every second weekend or maybe even every weekend. So it's, it's actually a lovely time to be playing at, during that period. So yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. Ross, after a, a long period of these players then being away from the game and training on their own and all, um, with that with the issue in mind of being non-contact and socially distant training and everything for those first two weeks, what do those first team, first few nights of training look like or what should they look like from your point of view? Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting one, kids. And I actually think the rules of non-contact or however people are defining it actually helps <laughs> helps a little bit because I think it can go twofold. I think we need to be really cautious about the amount of football that, or hurling or, or sport we put these players straight back into. So the phrase of letting, giving the players something where they're going to want more, letting the players want more, I think it's going to be important, but obviously you've got this opportunity to work on this technical base that maybe they haven't had much of, of, of playing in and around with other players. They might have done some individual stuff or kicking back and forth, but technical base with a purpose. So certain principles that you want within your team now, what's your style of play? Are you going to work within a certain shape and you could do some unopposed passing in some shape? out of possession you can look at different shadowing things and interceptions and I think these sort of principles in the first two weeks could be something that you really embed into the program but then on the flip side of that you're looking at the obviously the load and, and with the sports science hat on you're looking at making sure that you don't overcook these players too soon mm. so I always think it's really easy to go because if you get into the nitty-gritty of specific practices it can be really hard to quantify especially at club level you haven't got gps you haven't got these fancy things to monitor so i would just go by time you know just spend the first session just spend 45 minutes training that's it and just give them um, a little warm-up get a bit of crack get them socially back in they're going to be excited to play give them 35 40 minutes of some of some technical work and principal work and that's it and call it and then the next night you build on i think the, the, the first two weeks you just got to gradually build up um yeah. in terms of the training <clears throat> yeah i think i think a big uh, impact as well will be what those players were doing during the, let's call it the off season, the COVID period. And if they were doing the work and also if they're doing it in a smart way, if it was programmed well from the coach or SNC coach, I think that will help them, you know, in their return because they won't, they won't be playing catch up then. So like for instance, in our off season programs that we gave to our DSS coaches, we programmed in some aerobic stimulus that, you know, for them to give to their players some aerobic work also some speed work, some high-speed running. And like, if you've already covered that, the bases, when you come back into the team session, then you've got good foundation then to go back into training. You know, there's still, there'll always be a step up going from training on your own into a team setting, but it gives you that nice foundation, I think. Yeah, 100% agree. And I think that will then focus the attention on what you focus on a bit more. So if players come back aerobically really poor, haven't done any programme, obviously then you've got to address the elephant in the room and, and programme some aerobic work and, and yeah. work alongside the technical work. But if they come back in aerobically good shape and you do your testing, then you can probably switch the focus a bit more to, to the football load. And yeah, you sprinkle a bit of fitness work on top of that, but you can start working on the, the more in-depth football stuff. So it's yeah. going to be really important to assess the players like coming in and then yeah. make your judgment on what type of training goes in for the first two weeks. Yeah, I mean, in, in, in the planner that, that, that you designed, I think you had an aerobic fitness session, like either the first night or the first, at some stage in the first week. And like yeah. people don't get scared in that, oh, fitness test on the first day, but it's an aerobic test, isn't it? So like players, even if they're not fit at all, they just complete the test. It's not like a yo-yo intermittent test or something like that. It's like four laps around the pitch or, or you know, around a smaller pitch. Um, but it gives you a nice kind of baseline, doesn't it, of, of where your players are then? 
Yeah, exactly. And then you can you can then decide how much you need to focus on getting these players up to speed within the yeah. four week period for the games. Or like I said, you can just maintain some qualities, improve other areas of fitness, but focus more on the ball work. But I think it's regardless of what your shape your players come into, the amount of ball work and technical work and is it don't underestimate the amount of load that puts on the players in terms of yeah. twisting, turning. They haven't got that. Their minds like Go, you go from playing on your own in twos to now you've got 12, 13 players around you and, and there's lots of... So the, the pressure that the body goes under, that's why I think always undercook for the first week. You know, yeah. come out the first week with some aerobic stimuli and give them some principles, but undercook it and ready to step up for the second week. I think that's the yeah. best advice I'd probably give. Yeah, yeah. No, it's really good. Do you know, I was thinking as well, I quite like the thought of that, give them what they didn't have in the COVID period. So for instance, if they've done... A lot of aerobic work if they've done huge amount of skills work if they've done a lot of work on their own obviously like when you integrate them back into the session you nearly want to kind of start building up to the other things that they haven't got so like i don't think i'd spend after the socially distanced period or the first two weeks i'm not going to spend loads and loads of time on their skills practice you're probably going to go well right let's get them set up tactically let's have a look at our game plan let's give them you know uh, little team building games you know that they have to work together and stuff like that i mean i know after that first the first two weeks is probably I mean, what, what's what's your aim in those first two weeks? Is it is it just to get them to a certain level physically to get back playing and then you can kind of properly get into the programme? Yeah, I think it's to make sure that they're ready from week three to go into a proper programme, that is something similar to what you'd have in week three of your normal pre-season. So you start having a post-possessions and, and ready to go into some games, like small-sided games, large-sided, whatever ones you're going to programme. But I think it's also to embed, like, principles. Mm. Fitness-wise, make sure at the end of the two weeks they've improved fitness-wise if they need to, if aerobically or, or however you're going to do it. But just give them some load so that after two weeks yeah. it's an intro. They're ready to step up into a programme. Yeah. Something I learned from my time with London was a lot of people traditionally taught that pre-season, you do the fitness work, you know, you work on the skills and, and everything like that. And then as you come into league and championship, you kind of bring in the game plan and the tactics and everything. Like I learned from the beginning that start dipping, uh, dripping that stuff in. So get them in their shape, get them set up. Like you're not going to do a whole practice on, you know, team shape, but you're just going to, as you say, Ross, like embed a few good principles about, mm -hmm. you know, defensive shape, attacking, penetration, whatever it is, you know, you might start briefly mentioning about how we like to get set up, how we like to play. If we're on the counter-attack, move the ball at speed. If we lose it, transition back fast, get compact into a defensive shape. It's like from day one, you can start putting those, you know, principles in. And the reason I learned it so much with London was that, we had such turnover of player that we had these new players every season. So we like, we had to, we had no choice. We didn't have time to kind of just return back in and then, oh, we'll deal with the game plan later down the road. Yeah, hundred percent. There's a practice I've got in mind kids to come to our mind kids. We do it in football. It's called sixes and sevens in a QPR, but you could do it with any number of player and you, you put your players, however number you've got into a shape. So if you set your 15 up, if you want to and put them into the shape that you want to play, and you just get them passing the ball around and painting patterns around it. And if you've got bodies around then, you get other players shadowing men. So you look at defensive side. If the ball's on one side, so you've got one team just getting some movement rotation and trying to create some pitches for them and technical ability as well. And the other team you've got then shadowing, tucking over when the ball's on one side of the pitch. The sweeper might create better distance in case the ball goes over over the centre-back's head, whatever. Um, so you start embedding principles. So all unopposed training, it's not just... I'm just going to kick it from around the square. It's okay, yeah. we're going to work on the technique and say when you play the ball into the into the centre forward, you've got to play it this type of way. But you're also looking at movement off the centre forward. Like you said, there's no wastage now. So at the end of the two yeah. weeks, they have an idea of how you want to play. You don't have to do a, a contact phase of play to know that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a bit like last year with the project restart planner that we put out for when the GA returned. Um, after the initial lockdown in Ireland of like, uh, it, it was a fast track. It was a fast track return where we needed to get the players up to speed very, very quickly. Mm -hmm. Like in this case, actually, I mean, it'll be a funny one because you'll have to get your players ready for league, but in, in way for club, but in ways, Joe, 
like league is not the most important in most counties. In some counties, it's not important at all for club players. And then you've got loads of time to get ready for championship, which, will, as you say, will happen in, in August. So it'll be interesting. I mean, if, if I was managing a club team, I would use the league purely to prepare for championship. You know, I, I wouldn't be worried about kind of fast track and stuff. And I wouldn't treat it as a condensed campaign like it was last year. Remember last year where they only had like, some teams only had a few weeks to get ready for championship. I think this year will be a bit different that way. Yeah, yeah, Kieran, I agree. And uh, I think that managers need to embed their tactical type of play uh, into those league games so, so that they can prepare. And most, most club uh, managers whether it's a junior team or a senior team, the, the big thing is the county championship mm. because those are, those are competitive championship with teams at similar levels. And, you know, um, Ross was talking about the types of games are that you can play. We started back uh, here in London. Uh, we actually started back about five, six weeks ago. And we're still finishing off our championship from last year. We're right. actually in the semi-final. <laughs> We've actually a semi-final tomorrow. Uh, so, so one of the first things that we we done, we are actually only training once a week here, and we're only training on the Wednesday night, and then a game at the weekend. So we will always meet twice as a group, and I think we might talk about it later about things that we learned from last year. Yeah. But the big thing that we we done was games, 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 yeah. and um, one of the games that we played, the very first session we had back, we played that three team transition game. Hmm. You know that one? I think yes. I think you might have got it from Juventus. Juventus. Was it Juventus I, or? I did. It was it was ninety nine, and we were nineteen ninety nine. We were over in Turin with uh, Mick Wallace, Wexford Youths, playing a, a soccer tournament under sixteens, and we were brought along to Juventus training. And Zinedine Zidane was there. Edgar Davids, Del Piero, Alan Boxic, I think you know some top players. And the, I saw this practice, and I mean, I, I'm sure lots of teams do it, but. Um, that's where I got my inspiration for it. Yeah. It's, it's it's brilliant because um, you know there's lots of principles you can bring into it. You can bring in defending as a team, defending mm -hmm. as a unit, attacking as a unit, organizing yourselves defensively, organizing yourselves attacking wise, and it's a quite you know it's quite high intensity uh, type of game. You mightn't cover uh, high speed uh, running in it, but it is short. There are lots of sharp turns in it, uh, and the players love that type of game. So. Those were the you know types of games that we were introducing at the beginning, and I think Ross mentioned it earlier. Time as well, you can't you can't waste time. Yeah. You know, we, we no longer do straight line hand passing drills anymore because mm -hmm. we don't think that it benefits the players. There's an opportunity cost there where, whereby you could be doing something else. Mm -hmm. You could be doing two v four in a small box that we used to do with, with London that has more outcomes. And as yeah. you said as well, you know, players are probably sick to the teeth of doing, you know, technical stuff in that closed environment without decision making. Yeah. So for us, it's all, it's, you know, it's all games. 80, 90% of the session, yeah. um, session should be with the ball. Yeah, it's interesting because the, the, the next question I was going to ask you, Joe, is, is just around the aims that are all of us, the aims of the programme. And for you specifically, like, how do you, how do you ensure that the players, you know, fall back in love with the game and they get back up to the pitch? And like, first of all, is it is it things like that? Games, enjoyable trainings and stuff like that. But also, like, are there, have you found this season, have you found any issues around that people don't want to get back out training? There, there's wariness of getting back after COVID or, or they're like mad to get back? No, Kieran, they're, they're mad to get back. Yeah. Absolutely mad to get back. And, you know, if you interviewed 100 players and you asked them, would you rather play games of training or would you rather do drills? 90, 99 of them would say they'd rather play games. Yeah. So you're, you're giving the players, uh, you know, what they want. And there's also that social aspect of, the, of it, Kieran. And I would actively encourage, after every game this season, we've been encouraging our players to have a few pints outside, obviously, in the clubhouse, <laughs> have a few pints with the team. Luckily enough, we've won a few games, so... That, <laughs> the pints taste, taste much uh, nicer. So, you know, get the players to go out after the game yeah. and have a few beers, obviously social distancing and all that type of stuff. Um, but, you know, we, we talked about playing games, games, games. Yeah. So you can't play games unless you're fit too. Yeah. You know, if players are getting injured, then they won't have the enjoyment of playing the games. 
Yeah. So managers also have to stress the importance of players, and Ross has it in his in the program of players carrying out their you know individual fitness programs. Yeah. yeah. But if yeah. they don't do that, they won't be able to play the games because they're yeah. going to get injured. So yeah, I think. Yeah, I think it's a good point. Uh, do you know it? COVID might cause DGA a lot of the club teams and players to, to realise how important the games are the, the, the GA sport is to that kind of social aspect and you know it, it there is a move towards elitism throughout the GA even in big clubs now but it does remind you of that just that social aspect of like getting out of the house getting getting away from the work and just playing a game having the crack afterwards having a pint or a drink or, or whatever it is it's it's an important one. But Ross, just just uh, quickly then, as regards the aims of the programme for you, I mean, the, it, like the, fit, the fitness work is, is very, very important, obviously, but like you need to look at the four-corner approach, don't you, as regards the technical and the tactical and the psychosocial, and, and really you need to be, as always at every time, but you need to be dipping into all those corners and making sure that you're getting proper learning outcomes across the four corners. Yeah, 100% kids. I think what Joe said about that, the transfer game and those sort of principal style games are brilliant. But for me, I would probably come off them the first week and I would say, right, let's just embed some technique, even with some decision-making, if we've got movement in front of us and stuff, and just take them out that firing line for the first week. We can, from the second week, we can start dipping in like principles around interceptions and things. And then from the third week, that's mm -hmm. when you're, that's when you're saying, right, these principle type games, that's what we want to hit. And that's where our learning to come into. But you're right. I think you've got to have your hat on. You've got to look for the players that have got like psychologically come back and aren't, you know, aren't the same player who's struggling a little bit with their game, maybe because they don't practice as much um, socially, who's a little bit aloof from the group. So you've got to get all these things in, into training. You've got to have a real good, I guess, lens about all these other things. But obviously, technically, physically, you, you, you've got that two-week window to really get your players to a certain level to then yeah. go and handle the style of training that Joe's talking about and things like that. Yeah, Joe, I hope, uh, I hope you didn't break the rules. It'll be you, you Desi Farrell and Banty. The three of you, three very high profile GA coaches. Absolutely, Kieran. You know, I wouldn't break any of those types, types of rules. I'll leave that for other uh, club managers in London to do. Oh, yeah. I'm not going think, to. I think, Joe's, I think Joe's changed now. He's been on a podcast. You know, he's getting a bit, he's got a book out there. I think he, even, the, <laughs> even the tone now, you know, no straight line, par, hand pass. He's dictating to us now. You know, he's is the it, governor now. He's, so. he, there is a place. There is a place for it. There is a place for straight line, hand passing, by the way. And kick pass. Okay. Yeah. He's a different man. He's a you different don't have to man. say that, Joe. You stick to your beliefs, mate. Don't worry. <laughs> Ross, Ross, he's been on podcasts. He's got a book. He's got a girlfriend. He's he's a different man. It's, yeah, long, it's coming. It's becoming long term now. Long term you know, so, girlfriend. Exactly. So, I, I won't miss your wedding, Joe. By the way. <laughs> that was that was revenge for me missing Ross's wedding. I think. Put <laughs> <laughs> that one I was, I was in Seville, kids. It's either Ireland or Seville. What can what can you call choose? Anyway, okay. Back to the back to the stuff. Um, yeah, and, and you know what, Ross, you, you touched on it there just about those, the kind of group dynamics as well of like there will be people, there will be players when they come back will, you know, they've missed out on uh, quite a long period of training and of, of football or of hurling or whatever sport and also like very little social interaction. Like we're, we're all quite lucky in that, I mean, Ross, yours and my work like was hardly affected at all during COVID. Like we were still in the office and Joe, you had kind of time in and out of school. And, but like, there are people who, like there are people who haven't worked in, in the last year. And, you know, you, you do need to be aware of all your players in different situations. And, you know, maybe they, they don't, they, there can be financial problems. And, and Joe, like even, even thinking of over in London, a lot of the Irish lads as well, you know, away from their families, unable to visit parents, stuff like that. So there's a lot of factors to take in. Uh, there, there is, there is, Kieran. And, you know, Zoom, those Zoom meetings that we used, we used to have Zoom meetings, you know, once once every few weeks with the, with the team, you know, having a bit of crack, they can only go so far, you know. Yeah. So, so there, there is a vacuum there and, you know, players coming back. And that's why I say it, it's important that the manager actively encourages players to come back and, you know, get involved in the social side and go out after a few games, 
we, we've had a few players also that have been experiencing the long, long COVID yeah. and there's still those physical symptoms from it, but they're still, you know, they're trying to get themselves back. They're trying to do a little bit of training here and there, you know, so you've got, you've got that also to, to deal with. I do, I do like the thought, uh, Joe, of in, now this might be specific to London, but I'm trying to think you could do it with a, a junior club in Ireland or, you know, maybe if you're training down the country and a lot of your players in Dublin, I quite like the thing of that you train once during the week, get everybody there, get your work done, you know, uh, make sure people commit to that one night. And then obviously you got your game at the weekend, but you know, you're, you're kind of, you're not spreading yourself too thinly of trying to put on like three sessions during the week and half the people turn up, half don't. I like that idea, actually. Yeah, 100%. Um, and, you know, we've got the problem here. I'm sure junior clubs in Ireland have the problem. You might have uh, 13 or 14 players on the Tuesday night. And then on the Thursday night, you might have a different 14 or 15 players. So yeah. your, your, your whole tactical plan is out the window completely. Yeah. Yeah. If you put one session on the Wednesday, you can do everything you need to do tactically because you know all of your players will be there because it's the yeah. only training session that week. And also, Kieran, it gives two full days recovery, which I think club players really, really need, especially when they're coming back uh, yeah. uh, you know, in this environment. And yeah. they've those two days to recover and they're then fresh uh, you know, yeah. for the weekend ahead. And the players, the feedback from the players as well has been good. And it's, you know, managers might be afraid to try that because yeah. the team, the teams uh, next door might be training twice a week. And if they yeah. beat you, then everyone's going to come back <laughs> to the manager and say, well, the reason why we're getting beat is because we're only training once a week. Yeah. Well, it might be that. It might be something completely different. So that's why managers are afraid to try that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. So this no, is an opportunity to take those types of um, risks. Yeah. Yeah. Joe, just quickly, Joe, so I think that's really interesting and brave you to take that step, especially from mine and Keir's world. We come from the full time, you know, everyone trains full time and that's, mm. that's how it is. Have you found um, like injury wise, everyone's okay? Are they prepared for the match? Yeah. Um, injury wise, compared to last year, we went, to, thir- we went uh, to Tuesday and Thursday last year. We had more injuries last year compared to what we have this year. I think we've got half the injuries compared to last year because we're only going one night uh, yeah. a week and they're doing their own individual fitness programs in between, okay. you know, the Monday and the Friday, maybe. So we, we've, we've seen less injuries from the same players as well, Ross. We had yeah. exactly the same players. So we're kind of comparing like with like as well. <laughs> Joe, Joe, if you, if you didn't train at all, then you'd, you'd, you'd have no injuries. <laughs> no, maybe, but... that, maybe that's the next step, Kieran. Don't even, don't don't, even win about games. No games, no training. If you, if, if you don't win the championship this year, Joe, next year just turn up for games and uh, you might <laughs> you might go over the line. No, but it's, in, but it's interesting from like from all aspects that, that, that it seems to be working for you at the minute because my thing would be, would you be able to, are they at risk in the game because they're not training enough? That would be my first thought, but from what you're saying, it's, it's, it's not the case. So, yeah. yeah, I think very in it. Innovative. There you go. Again, again. It's changed. <laughs> it's changed. No, it's good. It's good. Really, really good. Ross, just thinking, like for club teams, then coming back on Monday the tenth, in ways, it's they've got six weeks to prepare for the league game. Five, five, six weeks, you know, depending on when they're scheduled. It's quite a nice. It's like a, a preseason, isn't it? In 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 yeah. in football, where your first two weeks, okay, they have to be light now and unopposed and everything which as you said earlier can be a good thing then they've got two weeks of contact then they've got um you know a week potentially with a challenge game and then they might be a week later be into a their first league game so it's quite a nice step step by step progressive model you could use over that period yeah and i think that's the key like however you're going to quantify it however you're going to measure it make sure that week by week in the first few weeks you're progressing things on you know yeah. so it's not you're not just going in there and like you, you don't know what you're giving to players and players are probably doing too much i know it's hard to say what's too much but mm. and then the next week they might dip and then just make sure that we are 
gradually building things up. And I think, like, because you can only play the one challenge game potentially for the league game, make sure you, like Joe said, do lots of games in training. Like, prepare them if you can get a 15 v 15 and even for 20 minutes, 30 minutes at the end of training, let's do it yeah. because that's the sort of thing that's going to really prepare them for the game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you're looking to, you're probably over that period looking to increase intensity, you know, maybe even increase a bit of volume there as well initially, especially after the first two weeks to get get some work into them and then in the lead into the first league game you might kind of come off them a little bit um but it but yeah. it'll be it'll be interesting in that like a lot of teams will treat the league you know as preparation as well so they're not going to be kind of they're not going to be tapering off the players in in no. preparation for that league you know no, no, I think what you said was spot on. I think like some of your league weeks, some of your league game weeks can be your hardest training weeks you've had all season yeah. because yeah. you've got to use that as an extension of your pre-season to get ready for the championship. So yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think they play, you should think about tapering until after the league, yeah. then build them back up for champ and then taper just before the champ and then hopefully then in a position then in the championship season to be able to recover and, and work on things and not worry too much about fitness for the ones that are playing. So yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay, uh, just a brief word uh, about our sponsors uh, again. So thanks very much to Cormac and all the lads at Ripped. So uh, Cormac has said to me, are you tired of the limitations of using Excel? Well, sometimes Cormac and emails to deliver programs. Ripped can help you simplify the creation and delivery of training programs, making it easier for you to provide everything for your clients and athletes needs all at your fingertips of your phone or mobile device with training load, well-being, and nutritional uh, monitoring so you can get the full picture of your clients and athletes' performance. To find out more, guys, head over to www.ripped.apps, that's R-Y-P-T dot A-P-P, and use the coupon code LOCKERROOM uh, to get your two months free trial. So that's LOCKERROOM, all capitals, all one word, that's L-O-C-K-E-R-R-O-O-M, and you'll get two months free trial. So thanks again to the, to the people at Ripped. Just getting some, uh, looking at some of the lessons from last season. Joe, you were obviously involved in, in the, the club season here, um, the GA club season. So what, what were some of the lessons that you learned from that return uh, back from COVID, the, the initial lockdown? I'm sure... You know, you've, you've already mentioned a number of yeah. them already, but just what, what are some of the things that you learned and, and can use then? What have you then implemented this season learning from that, aside from the one, one session a week? And no straight line passing. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think one of the, one of the things is uh, kind of rotate, rotating our team, uh, you know, proactively before players, you know, do get injured. Uh, and a lot of this stuff, that we've done this year in comparison to last year. We've done a lot of tactical uh, stuff. Uh, we've done a lot of uh, uh, low presses where you're in a good defensive uh, shape. We've worked on that a lot. We, we've done a couple of things that we looked at when we looked at uh, Dublin and the way Dublin set up and they had that middle press where everyone's pressing in the middle of the field and there's a heavy press there. Uh, yeah. So we, we, we've kind of experimented a little bit uh, more this year yeah. And the majority of things, you know, we've, we've tried different tactical approaches. Some of them don't work, but we, we try ones that, that have suited the players that we have in, in place. Um, Joe, Joe was that, can I ask, was, was the tactical innovations, was that as a result or was it a contributing factor due to just the amount of stuff that's available to consume out there now and over the COVID period? And like even obviously... We've done loads of webinars with DSS and we've listened to Stevie Poacher and Brian Cuthbert and, you know, different people. But like, are, have people kind of bought into more innovation and more information now? Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, definitely, Kieran, because um, all of that knowledge and all of that information that everyone has received during the lockdown, they now want to apply that on the yeah. field. Mm. And that's what we have been doing. And people, uh, coaches and managers now, one of the good things to come out of the lockdown, coaches and managers now are smarter, they have more knowledge because they were able to use the time not on the field to go on to those Zooms, those webinars, uh, you know, our own resources that we have. Uh, lots of people looking at the tactical periodization stuff, which which London had, you know, sick when, when you were there. Um, and it's just a matter of applying that now. And yeah. 
Yeah. Applying it is can be difficult because you have to be able to explain it to the players and you have to be able to get feedback from the players yeah. and you have to be able to use things like tactical pad or use your own you know, mm. tactical uh, board that you bring out onto the field with you. I, I wouldn't, I, every single training session I go to, the tactical pad, the tactical board is used all the time. Mm. And any of the drills or sorry, any of the games that we're playing and training, I would send it out in a WhatsApp group beforehand so the players understand the, the yeah. type of game that they're playing and why why they're playing yeah. it. That's very important. Important. Um, so I think Kieran, using the knowledge and applying the knowledge from lockdown is is ultra important. Yeah, that's what we've learned. Yeah. So just on that, Kieran, just quickly. So I think um, I think it's fantastic that we're learning from everybody, and and the, I think you would agree the sport as itself has, has gone massive in terms of mm. sharing and things in the last year and, and you know your, your, your company <coughs> contributor to that but I think it's important that we don't just take like what we see in certain teams and just try and imitate that in our own like you've got to assess what players you have you know what style you want to play what division you are you know you go and see Dublin no mm. you can't just copy Dublin's style so yeah, yeah. you've got to you've got to see okay where are my strengths in my team and okay what can work and what innovations can I bring in because yeah. I think that's important because I think there'll be loads of ideas right we're going to play a mid block we're going to play low block but that might not suit your team you might need to get pressure higher higher up the pitch so I think it's, it's just important to take a step back sometimes gather all this information and go right what can I apply to my group of players and and where are they in, in their learning pyramid if they're kids we don't really want them playing a low block because we want to expose yeah. them 1v1 so we just have to take a step back at times and, and, and recognize that yeah I, I i put out a little poll there a couple of days ago up on twitter because i was chatting to um a few lads in crow park just around just around the future of the ga in general and and one of them made a really good point about uh, like youth ga that should those games look the same as the adult game because currently they actually they do so you have the go games which are up to under 12s which are like small sided like in professional football ross where it's like five aside seven aside you've got different zones smaller pitches smaller goals and it's been a rip-roaring success even though a lot of clubs and people didn't want it at the beginning but thankfully now it seems like everybody's bought into it. But the youth aspect actually has kind of been forgotten about. And I know in professional football, like your under 15s will play on a, correct me if I'm wrong, a normal size pitch, normal size goal. Uh, okay, it'll be 18 minutes, isn't it? Instead of yeah. 90 minutes. Um, under 14s? Under 14s, it's, it's the same format. It's 420s, but the pitch is slightly smaller. So it's still be 11, but it's a relatively smaller pitch. Okay. Um, Good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Brilliant. But like, so in GA, it, we don't have that. But even worse in GA, specific to GA, is like, how big are some of the GA pitches, Joe, around Ireland? Like, they're enormous. They're huge. And if you have problems as an adult player age 25 getting around the whole pitch, like, what chance does a 14 year old have of getting around the pitch properly? And like, you'd see fail games under 14 where there's lobbed goals going in over the keeper's head because they can't you know they're jumping up and they can't even reach up towards the crossbar and and you're kind of thinking like wow you know it just hit me when ross is saying about you can't apply what dublin do to like a junior team in wexford it's it's an interesting point as well about from adult down to youth sport in ways like it should be a different game you know, there, there, there might be different rules. There definitely should be different dimensions of the pitch, different size goals. Mm. You know, it, it makes sense, I think. Yeah, I think in, in other sports, Kieran, this happens too. I'm not 100% <coughs> sure about, about, about rugby. Do they reduce the size of the pitch for, for underage uh, teams? But, you know, if you look at even individual sports like tennis, you know, at a certain level, they only play the small courts. Yeah. Um, so the reduction in size, you know, has to has to suit the, the players at an underage level. And it also, you know, it helps, it gives you more touches if, if, they, if yeah. the pitch is smaller, which then improves. You're going to have more opportunities to put yourself in a decision, in, in a, a position where you have to make a decision. So it helps with decision making. It also <coughs> obviously helps with the technical skills too, because you're under yeah. a little bit more pressure. Yeah. So reducing the size of the pitch, that, you know, that has to be, it has to be done at underage yeah. level. Yeah, I think here, just quickly, I think if it, it, it looks like the adult game, but if you look at it a slightly different way, so if an adult centre forward um, gets off, I don't know, 12 shots a game, okay, 
can the can the player playing in that part of the pitch at under 14 15 level do that because of the size of the pitch and the goal yeah. allows them to do that so yeah. you want them to have equal if not more opportunities to shoot defenders to block midfield players to be able to affect the game in either end of the pitch if yeah. the pitch is too big and everyone's in one corner and then it's a marathon before they get a shot off then you, what learning outcomes are you getting there apart from a possession practice yeah yeah exactly no it's a really good point I, I did an interview during the week and I was asked uh, by the journalist what um, what was my first ever coaching experience and actually it was under a under uh, when I was 18 uh, first summer from university where I did this kind of local rural scheme thing from the GA where I went in and coached in my own club in Horswood GA down in Wexford and the first ever team I was involved with was the under 10 team and the British in lines team have squad have been announced this this week Joe um Tyg Furlong was there mm-hmm. so Tyg Furlong was on the first ever team that I coached under 10 um, he used to play full back he used to get the ball from the goalkeeper <laughs> kicked out like 10-15 metres get it and just hop and solo big massive hop you know that would bring him 10 metres with the ball steamroll every player stick it in the back of the net and then trot his way back to full back again <laughs> and that was um, that was the old under 10 way of playing you know yeah there's a, there's a clip there on YouTube of him actually playing isn't it right. he's, he's got a nice left foot he's oh, right. he, oh he was he was a good player really. yeah 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 he, he was a, he had more skills than ross but he could actually turn and run and <laughs> run kids you're not claiming part of his success are you by the way ross ross was a left back. I, didn't, I didn't want to say it center this back this is where oh, Joe's knowledge. This is where Joe's knowledge goes down. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> center Proper back. Center hard. Head it. Kick it. Can he, center, can center he head hard. it? Joe, basically, in a in a sentence, he could head it, but he couldn't turn. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> if you just keep heading the ball, you don't need to turn. Change of yeah. direction. Not good. <laughs> don't need to turn. Okay, Joe. Joe, just interestingly, um, championship structure for the, for the coming year. So so obviously in intercounty, like we're going. It looks like without every single little detail in front of me, it looks like a, a, repli- a rerun of last season's inter-county championship where it, it's going to be knockout, it's going to be provincial, um, there's not going to be super eights. I got a little bit confused earlier when I was checking where I was saying the Talchin Cup is, is back in and the qualifiers, but as far as we know, uh, that, that's not happening, isn't it, Matt? No, there's no, there's no Talchin Cup twenty one. <clears throat> Kieran, I think uh, earlier on there, what they were attempting to do was, if they had to go back earlier, was um, was a back, I'm sorry, backdoor system. Hmm. But now the the 2021 All Ireland uh, Senior Championship, it's a knockout competition uh, from the provincial uh, hmm. series forwards. Uh, there'll be there's not going to be any qualifiers, unfortunately. Yeah. You know, London aren't involved, and New York yeah. are not involved either, which is yeah. you know a shame because you don't really you don't want those um, those counties falling backwards, Kieran, hmm. because they need games. They need league games as well, you know, yeah. just to keep them to keep them up and running. So yeah, so I, yeah, as last I, year. Yeah, I was briefly chatting um, to Michael Maher, the London manager, there a couple of weeks ago, and it, I think on the day it was announced London are not back in, and you know he was just saying even himself that it's such a difficult situation now because when you lose basically two whole seasons of not being in two whole seasons not being in championship and a season and a half, really, of missing out on league. It's, very, it's going to be very difficult for the likes of London and New York to kind of pick things back up again and, and, and reintegrate into it. And, you know, you wonder, will the desire be there? Or it's hard, you know, you take out two seasons worth at that level, very difficult to get back to that level again. <clears throat> yeah, it is. It's a, it's a kick in the teeth. There for them, but I'm sure they'll be okay under Michael because he's brilliant. Yeah. The other thing is, it's the ladies as well, Kieran. You know, the London ladies as well, so it's not just the men. So. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, so, good. You know, just yeah, it's a tr- tricky, tricky situation. Joe's oh, Joe's he's he's bought into the women's game as well. Bloody hell, yeah. college, universities, club, inter county, women's. I think, Joe, did, you, did you go to the London Mayor? I didn't see your name on the on the list. <laughs> no, no, I didn't. No, 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 no. no. Toad Binface. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's it's an interesting one. I think I think um, I've heard a lot of people say it about the intercounty game last season about how brilliant the knockout 
you know, season was and, and Cavan winning Ulster, Tipperary winning Munster. But, but I, I, like, in ways, it, it, it's fine for this year. It'll do the job. It'll be a short and condensed season. But, you know, please bring in more games rather than less and give, give other teams more chances rather than less chances, I think, in the future. Like, last year was brilliant with Tipperary and Cavan, but, you know, it, it came to a kind of a shuddering halt then in the, in the semi-finals quick enough. It did, Kieran. yeah. And the, the good thing, again, is from a fan's point of view, ourselves watching the games, you know, it's just brilliant. Some of the games yeah. last year were excellent, and some yeah. of them went, when it, you know, went into extra time and all. You know, you had Cork uh, beating beating Kerry. Yeah. You know, you, as you say, win the Ulster Championship. Tipperary <laughs> winning the Championship. Yeah. So, you know, again, we're going to have we're going to have upsets because it's yeah. a knockout competition. Yeah. Who, who knows? Who knows who will come through this year? Hopefully, your own county here in Wexford will <laughs> get a shock. Let's see. I'm maybe at the Leinster. Joe, I'm busy building for the future for Kerry, uh, for for Kerry for Wexford. <laughs> put put in structure. <laughs> I can confirm I'm 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 not coming in as a consultant for Kerry. Okay, pure slip of the tongue. <laughs> I think I think like very briefly, it was brilliant seeing. Uh, the, the excitement of Cork beating Kerry in a knockout game, everything is on the line, last minute goal, brilliant, you know, amazing. But like, to me, that just showed the point that like then he, he, David Clifford is gone from the competition then. Yeah. You know, you see him for one game, Sean O'Shea gone, Paul Geeney gone. Like we want to see these lads more, not less. But anyway, it, it'll be, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting, Joe, just to see like, will teams be a bit, Will they be a bit more reckless in their game plan? Will they, you know, will they be as well? Will they be as fit? Maybe not. You know, it'd be quite interesting to see. Will will there be more mistakes in the county game than than normal? Yeah, probably. But te- teams have to remember. You know, we say will teams be more reckless? Do, you know, when we say that, does that mean they're not going to have a defensive structure? If you, yeah. if you want to win games of football, you have to have a defense. You have to have yeah. a defense structure or a defensive setup that you've worked on yeah. uh, you can't just go out and, and go one-on-one and go you yeah. know that's how the big teams might get knocked out yeah yeah it, it, it's interesting like if you looked at during the week Chelsea and Man City in Champions League semi-finals like brilliant teams going forward but wow they've got a defensive structure in place now and you know they, they, they um they, they building from the back is is the, the most important a sound defensive structure Ross just briefly from your experiences of QPR this year I mean we returned back in August for our season so I'd practically a full season as normal you know with social distancing rules around the club and stuff what lessons did you take from you know increase in injury or how would you do things slightly differently or what what kind of lessons could coaches out there now learn from from your experience yeah, I think we definitely learned some lessons this year, kids. I'm fairly open in saying that injuries were higher than, than they ever have been, I think. Um, I think coaches, like I said earlier, it's probably why I'm quite strong on it, that you have to, you can't just go straight back into your normal program. It can't be that we've been off for X amount of months, but we're just going to resume a normal week that we had the week before things went into lockdown or whatever. So really calculate the players, even if you think they can do more and they'll be asking for more, just ha- you have to get this sense of feel as when's enough is enough in that session. Mm-hmm. So, the f- and, and also what Joe said about rotation of players in games, that's going to be key because mm-hmm. the amount of games that come thick and fast and they're trying to cram league games in week after week after training for four weeks, if you're brave enough to rotate your players, even some of your best players, then that's going to give you, you know, a bit of freshness to them players and able to, to and hopefully stop an injury within a few weeks. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, look, we, I know we're coming, or I'm coming a little bit of a, of a downer and saying, look, don't overtrain it. Don't, that's not the case. You've got to work them hard. But just for the first few weeks, at least, please just uh, put your foot off the gas and just mm. ease them into it, you know, slowly. Yeah. It's really interesting because you're, you're a professional head of performance coming from professional sport and have worked at all different levels, different clubs, different sports you know, people would think that when they're down in a GA club that, oh, we need to do more, we need to get them fitter, I'm worried and stuff. But like a person like yourself is then actually saying, well, well, no, you, you mm-hmm. don't. Like the best way, like soon right, 
right soon ripe soon rotten if you want to get them fit really fast you will get breakdowns you get players getting injuries you know everything like that especially this season so you're saying like take it slowly build up slowly and don't worry you'll you'll get there yeah, exactly. And if you have the players that come back really fit, then brilliant. Then you can still take your time because they're fit. They're not gonna they're not gonna lose. And if you've got players that come back who are really out of shape, then you can't push them too hard anyway, because they will break. So either way, you've got to find that balance for, for both for both sets of cohorts. And then the ones in the middle that have come back okay, then you know they can slot into the program. So just yeah. first two weeks, get your key principles that you wanna you wanna get out of it. What what style of play do you wanna play? Make sure you improve them physically, aerobically. Make sure you you add on to whatever aerobic base they've got already and, and other fitness stuff. And just yeah. make sure from week three they can go into a relatively normal week three preseason where you've got transfer games, you've got principal games. You can go into some games with keepers and and overload some some game scenarios. So that would yeah. be my advice for the first two weeks. Yeah, brilliant. Okay, I think that's brilliant advice to to get and a good place to finish. Okay, thank you, Ross. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, listener, for tuning in and hope to see you again for the next 40 episodes, (laughs) at which point, Joe, I'll probably be off in Barbados um, enjoying the fruits of daily sports science business. um, And uh, you'll probably be running it for me at that stage. So I will, Karen. yeah. uh, No no problem. Hopefully. (laughs) I think he's I think he's pitched himself well today. I think if you tuned in today, you wouldn't know who the boss was. <laughs> That's the way we like it, delegation. <laughs> okay, so any, any listeners out there, head over to dailysportscience.com where you can sign up for, uh, for our coaching membership and get access to all the information that we spoke about and also uh, Joe's uh, football practices and games e-booklet and Ross's uh, yearly planner as well. Really brilliant Um resources to have and you can access them on the products page of dailysportscience.com and we'll see you in two weeks time thanks lads thanks Thanks, Kieran thanks boss